Hey everybody, welcome to Big Things with Zach Miko. On today's episode, we talk to actor and voice actor, Jason Griffith. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Guys, welcome back, and thank you again for joining us on Big Things with Zach Miko. I'm your host, Zach Miko. Guys, we have a hell of a show for you today. Today we're going to talk to voiceover, character, and cartoon actor, Jason Griffith. But first off, how are you guys doing today? Are you feeling good? This is our second episode, and I could not be happier that you're here on this journey with us to make the world feel like a more positive, friendly, open inspired place. I announced to the Instagram and Twitter world that this podcast was on its way and I was so overwhelmed by the support and the love that came from all of you. In today's interview, we touch upon what it's like to live as an artist in New York City. I've moved to New York City in 2009 with the hopes of being an actor. I attended classes, I uh, went to the American Academy of Dramatic Art, I then studied at the Terry Schreiber studio. I think I auditioned for every casting director for TV and film in New York City at one point. And before even that, I wanted to do musical theater. I, like many other people, had a dream of being on Broadway. It's a dream that I still haven't realized to this day. But it's a dream that I will always hold in my heart and I will always work towards for the rest of my life. But I'll be honest. I felt discouraged. When I first started doing musical theater in New York, I had just come from being the star in my hometown and in my college. I played the engineer in Miss Saigon before a 16-year-old's realized it was horrifically (laughs) not okay for me to play that role. I played Billy Bigelow in Carousel, Riff in West Side Story, Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, Pseudolus and a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Musical theater was part of my very soul. But I came to New York and I went to the EPA auditions and I got scared. I was absolutely terrified. The amount of talent in those rooms truly blew me away. And it pains me to say it, but I, I, I did. I gave up on my dream of musical theater. I felt like I couldn't dance as well as these guys. I couldn't sing as well as these guys. I couldn't act as well as these guys. But most important, not important, the most fucked up, (laughs) to be honest, was I looked at these guys and I went, I am nowhere near as attractive as these people. I am nowhere near as skinny. I am nowhere near as fit. And because of that, I gave up. I let fear and self-doubt let me compare myself to other people instead of realizing what was special about me. I never saw myself as attractive in my life until very recently and I know a lot of you might feel the same way. We live in a culture where we compare ourselves daily to people we see on television, to people we see on Broadway, to people we see in magazines and on runways and on fashion shows. And we are so focused on what these people have that we don't, what physical attributes they may have or talents they may have that we don't, that we never really get in touch with ourselves and find out what it is we have. Every single one of us has something so unique and so special and so worth celebrating. And we don't. We spend all of our time thinking about what we are lacking. And that is so crippling to not just our self-esteem, but our our sense of self-worth and our sense of authenticity in who we really are. There is so much bullshit in this world that will distract us from our authentic self. But hopefully through listening to this and other things and doing a lot of self-care and self-discovery, you can realize that you're a special person capable of amazing things too. I think every single person listening to this podcast is capable of big things also. Just the other day it was announced Tom Hanks, one of the greatest actors of our time, will be playing the role of Fred Rogers in an upcoming biopic. 
And I don't know about you guys, but I miss Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood so much. It was one of the few shows out there that told children that they were valid, that their feelings were valid, that they were individuals, and there was something special about them. It didn't judge, it didn't make comment on who you were, it just celebrated everyone for the individuality that they had. Fred Rogers had a song called It's You I Like, where he was able to tell kids that it wasn't their possessions, it wasn't their looks, it wasn't anything else but who they were in their deep down soul. It's important to focus on what actually does make you unique, what makes you authentic, and what your truth is so you can put it out there into the world. Anyway... I promise not to be that sappy all the time. But uh, today we're talking to Jason Griffith. He's actor, character actor, voice actor. He has been uh, much a part of your childhood if you were born in, I don't know, from 1988 to 1998, if you were anything like me. He has been in Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he played Tony Stark in the Iron Man Extremist cartoons, and most importantly, or most noted, rather, he's the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog from Sonic X and pretty much every Sonic video game that has come out since then. We have a great conversation about what it's like to be an actor in New York City, what it's like to be a voice actor, the struggles one goes through, but also the actual process of cartoon making. I think it's a really interesting talk. I really hope you guys enjoy it too. So without further ado, let me introduce to all of you my good friend, Jason Griffith. So everybody, I'm here with Jason Griffith, voiceover artist, Hello. actor. Do, do they say voice actor? They I do. say voice actor, but then some people are like, it's voiceover artist. You know what? It's Yes, they do say that, and it, it's <laughs> always a term that doesn't jive with me because it excludes everything else. When yeah. people label you as a voice actor, that's like saying, oh, you're a, you're a catalog model, and you're like, well, no, I've done other stuff. Other no, it's, it's, it's all catalog. Okay, <laughs> so, well, great. No, 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 that's, that's, that's not true. <laughs> And I've done mostly voiceovers, yeah. but you know, I still occasionally do a, a great play here and there. You do. You do. <laughs> I was lucky enough to meet Jason Griffith on the set of a film we did together called Three Bound. That is not true. When, where we, we met at the read-through for Three Bound when you were playing okay. the guitar. Okay. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. So... <laughs> I'm just going to really... It was all... Let me get the facts it, straight. It was still... Rebound related. Mm -hmm. It was for the same film just earlier on in the process. That's true. Your beard was a lot longer then, I remember. It was. I was allowed <laughs> to have a longer beard. Now they they want me to uh, keep it yeah. to a respectable level. Apparently, you're allowed to look like a lumberjack, but like a very clean, sure. well-groomed lumberjack. Do they bring you to certain uh, barbers? That, like, are you? Can you not go to like the guy who normally cuts your hair? So I can. I, I guess I can technically do that. Every time I go there, they manage to cut my hair for me. So I've sort of oh, like, yeah, yeah. I've just been doing the irresponsible thing and just saving that cash yeah, for sure. barbers. I mean, it's like $25 and I'm still like, no. Nah, well, and also they that. give you a good haircut. It's not like you go somewhere yeah. and they screw it up. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, it, it happens. You get it screwed up. I mean, you know that. <laughs> New York City barbers is a, is a shot in the dark. I finally found someone who can t cut my hair well. Yeah. Uh, up until, I don't know, years and years of just going to barbers and being like, this is what I want and walking out with something completely different. For instance, I went to this one woman and I'm like, I want it to look 1970s, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like feathered, you know, kind of David Cassidy sort of look, you know, and yeah. she gave me like the, the bad school portrait from the 70s cut. Like a bowl cut? Sort of like a bowl cut. Yeah, very short, very like... I had a bowl cut until I was like 11. So I... <laughs> <laughs> like longer than people should have bowl cuts. Right. So I yeah. feel you on that. <laughs> so, Jason, yeah. where are you from originally? Because I think your Wikipedia is full of shit and oh. it's... N I, 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 what does I it say? Kuwait? It's, um, no, it says New York, but I feel like I'd have known no. if you were born in New York City. No. Uh, Lake Line Village, Ohio, population 210, 20 minutes outside of Cleveland, oh. right on the lake. So the backyard, my backyard was Lake Erie. That's amazing. For the first 17 years of my life. And now I think I've lived in New York longer than I lived there. So I'm technically a New Yorker now. 
I think I always heard the rule was so I was told when I first moved to New York it was ten years. Yeah. Or or no, I was told it was five years. It's and five then years, I hit yeah. five years and then they told me no, it's ten. <laughs> and I it was just like, keeps you going up and up. Keep just moving the what, goalposts. Here. I think it's it, you, you become a seasoned New Yorker after ten. Five years you can call yourself a New Yorker, but you're not really. You're sort of still in probationary. I think mode. that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. So, good. Uh, go fix your Wikipedia because you're not <laughs> from New York. Where did you, do you brothers and sisters, Lakeline? Yep. I have uh, uh, one sister who is closest in age to me named Corey. She okay. lives in Abu Dhabi now. Oh. And with her uh, two kids, um, Annabelle and Andrew. And uh, I have a, a brother who just uh, started college who's 19 now named Alex. Oh. He's at uh, Bowling Green. Yeah, we're very close. We're very close as a family. That's always nice. Uh, we don't see each other nearly enough, but that's, you know, that's because we're all living in different places, but we uh, love each other. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a sibling fun time chat uh, text uh, thing. We do too, but it's usually just me and my sister talking, and then every now and then my little brother chimes in to make fun of us for a second. What's the age uh, gap? My sister's two years younger than me, and my brother is six years younger than oh, me. Okay, yeah. So it's like enough of a gap that it's like... We're yeah. super close, and it's awesome, but like, I can keep up with what the young kids are thinking about, because right. they'll say slang I've never heard, oh, which good. I didn't think it was like that big of a difference, but apparently it there is. There is. Oh, there's a huge difference. I said something was Jake the other day, and- Jake is my brother's name. Oh, really? Is that- is There that we go. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, uh, and, uh, I for, who, whoever I was talking to was like 22. Uh, oh, it was an engineer I was talking to. He was 22 years old, and he's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, it's Jake, man. It's fucking Jake. Do you want to share with us what the hell that does mean? Oh, Jake, isn't that no? Like, I, like I if still something don't know. is uh, whack. Oh, whack okay. is. J- I like how you J- took it back to our generation. <laughs> Jake Something's was the whack. Replas- replacement. When it's whack, whack. it's not fat. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Right. So uh, yeah. Maybe it's weak now. So Jake. Okay. Uh, so whack. Jake weak. Oh. Which I can't also wait is your brother's to name. tell him <laughs> that his name means weak. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. When you were in Lakeline, Ohio, yeah. for one, if it had 230 people, did you have a high school? Did you mm-hmm. did you go to school as a child? No, I didn't. Um, okay. I did, right. I, but it was in the the city next to uh, Lakeline, which was East Lake, which uh-huh. is a little little bigger because our our town was a village, and even people in East Lake didn't know it. Like they would hear the words Lakeline, and they'd say, "Where is that?" Like oh. right down the street, like you could walk there. Um, so yeah, I went to East Lake North uh, for for high school, and uh, the I want to say like the day after I graduated from high school, I moved out to New York. Uh, my cousin was already here; he had been here for a year, uh-huh. and uh, we both started in acting at the same time. Yeah, we got the same agents. We went to a talent convention, and uh, to the, I, which which to our younger viewers don't really exist anymore. They sort of do. They, do they? They actually do. Um, there's one. I was just invited to be a guest speaker uh, at. Sort of the one that I went to um, next summer, but Melissa and I, I think we're going to go to Hawaii for Austin's first, my son's first birthday. I think that's better. So yeah, (laughs) but yeah, it's you know you you sort of go to these things and you do a commercial script and a soap opera script and a a sitcom script and and a bunch of agents are there to judge you and you know see we knew about those for there was NECS and. What was the big one? IMTA. No, there was there was one for it was all for theater specifically, and they had one in New York City right. that we would go to like right out of high school and college, and then never hear from. But it was like all the regional theaters were supposed to basically yeah. be doing their open yes. calls there. Yeah, I actually just read about that in uh, Jeffrey Tambor's autobiography that oh. he he uh, attended that and he worked for the next. He said ten years off of one audition for all of those uh, oh, all those theaters. How yeah. lucky. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's that's the big that's a it's like a big component and it's really hard to call it luck sometimes. Yeah. But it's hard to call it something else because, you know, as you know, sometimes you get a job and you're like, how did I like, why yeah. is it me that's doing this? You know, like I remember auditioning for a commercial where I had to say something like a new guitar, you know, <laughs> and they had 50 people in the waiting room, all with cool voices. Everybody worked. You yeah. know, it's not like newbies. And, and, and they picked me and I was like, why? Why? How? How did I say a new guitar in a way that was different or better yeah. or, you know, so it's a mystery. It's, I think, just us working in the arts or fashion. I don't know where I work. I think, I think that's, it's both. That's art, yeah. And, 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 like, I think when you're working in the arts or the fashion or music, I think what's frustrating about it sometimes is it feels like luck. It's not luck because mm-hmm. you have to be good enough to even get in the pool yeah. to then be lucky. Yeah. So it's like, but that's what it is. It's like all this work 
to then be considered to have some it, it, it's mm-hmm. we work in a thing where we still sometimes just need someone to be like and you get a job yes and <laughs> luck is like yeah. a vehicle and you still have to have the keys and yeah. you have to still know where it is in the parking lot and, and you have to, to know how to drive it mm-hmm. you know what i mean so you know if if one of those components is missing it, you know you're not gonna I'm not going to book anything by not going to auditions. Yeah. I'm also not going to book anything by going to an audition with a bad attitude every single time or feeling like this is hopeless. You know, yeah. you have to have that feeling. And I don't even, do you have to audition for your jobs anymore? I do. Oh, Depending wow. on the thing. So um, modeling is interesting because having been an actor for so long, I still am an actor, but but I have to learn a script and go in and do stuff. Yeah. With, with modeling castings, they're just kind of looking at you, yeah. which is fun. Now, yeah. you need to come in presentable. You need to come in exuding experience and confidence, and I can do this. But they're they're just looking at you. A casting is literally, okay, you take good pictures. Yeah. Now I need to see you physically in front of me in person. Yeah. Okay, now I'm into what you physically look like. Go put on this shirt. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't fit. Ah, you don't get the oh, okay. job. Okay, <laughs> uh, no, it, it's and it's it's sometimes that simple. I feel like with me personally, my agent has to work way harder than I do. Of course, I where, mean, well, yeah, yeah, where, because at least like my acting agents, if they'd sell me up to a point and then I'd go and close the deal. Yes, uh, uh, great way to with yeah with modeling. I feel like they sell me, sell me, sell me, sell me, and then maybe I get the job. Yeah. A yeah. lot of the times it has zero to do with what I do, yeah. and it is all them convincing people 100%. to take me on. Right. I mean, and that's, I think any agent really has that responsibility of convincing people to see someone and then continuing to convince them to see you, even if you haven't booked. Yeah. You know, I remember when I first started with Innovative, my current agency, Mm -hmm. it was like six months. I I booked my very first audition with them. Mm -hmm. And I swear my first line in this audition was, hi, my name is Jason. Can I help you? Can I take your order or can I help you or whatever? I booked it. And then it was like six months of nothing. And I was like, oh my God, like how... And at the same time, I just moved from a, um, a smaller like startup agency and I was getting like 20 times the auditions that I was getting with with the first one. So it was like I felt like I hit the lotto and I'm yeah. like, of course, everything's going to everything's going to fall into place. And I'm going to get so much more work. And then like half a year goes by and nothing happens. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm holding on to every single anytime a casting director gives me good feedback. I'm like, oh, will you tell my agent, you know, will you just yeah. pass on the word I because I don't want them to lose faith in me. You know, it's the, it's so much about gaining face with people yeah. before they ever consider hiring you. Yes. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. And that's a lot of the reason people burn out on acting and voiceovers and modeling and and singing and yeah. like because it's they have to I had one casting director in New York tell me he ran all of the Broadway tours. Oh, I won't say his name in case he ever wants to hire me. <laughs> he told me point blank that he doesn't hire anyone unless he's seen them audition at least 10 times. That's really interesting. And I was at the time furious because i was also i was 20 years old and i was like i don't have time i just i got student loans i need to prove to my friends and family that this was a good idea for me to go forward with this career yeah and yeah but he i understand it now because there's so much money put into these productions that they can't risk dude they gotta trust they gotta trust you they have to know that you're gonna be able to deliver the goods and you're not gonna you know because one two auditions you could do great and then when they you're actually on set it's like oh, everything yeah. falls apart because you're now you're under pressure but you know 10 times auditioning if he likes what he sees of course that's and the fact is love that, that you said that that he keeps bringing you back in is a good thing yeah. and it took me yes. a long time to know that well a phrase that i learned and i fr- i mean from several different people but that stuck with me is booking the room mm-hmm. you don't want to necessarily book the job you want to book the room you want to make sure that everybody yeah. uh, it, that is in charge of bringing you back from another audition is just loves what you do so yeah they're like it takes the pressure off of having to perform in a way that you're like i'm gonna get this job instead it's like here's what i do here's how i would do the job you know if you like it keep bringing me back yeah there was a casting director the very first thing i did in new york when i moved here was i was the uh an intern for abc primetime this was 1998 Great. And um, it was great. There you, was, were, you were eight years old. I was, very good. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I wasn't able to do a lot, and they had to, they were really responsible for me, yeah. <laughs> feeding me. And I remember, I think the year before me, Topher Grace was the intern. <laughs> so it was, it was, and he had signed the bottom of the table in the, oh, man. in the casting studio. But the one casting director there, 
said that at one point she's like, there's a guy that I've seen probably like 50 times and he hasn't booked anything. She's like, but I know he's going to, and I know he can deliver the goods and yeah. it's just a matter of the right job lining up, you know? And that's the craziest part of that. That's, I agree. There's so many times where you know someone's great and you're like, this person gave the best audition, but this person isn't that character. Every a- time. And, and it sucks because I know that was it's it, it drives a lot of people out of this industry because yeah. they're like, how good do I have to be before I get booking? And yeah. there's so much more that goes into it. I've lost roles because I was taller than the other guy yeah. that was cast. Yeah. I lost I, I heard one rumor that I lost a role because I looked like a producer's ex-husband. <laughs> and, I, you know, there's stuff that you cannot come close were you the producer's ex-husband no i wasn't not that i remember i had a wild 2007 (laughs) but you know life happens (laughs) i lost a job once because i sound too much like sonic that's okay so i uh, got a job i was the lead (laughs) on a cartoon series that i won't name and i recorded i want to say like the maybe maybe i didn't even get to record i like did the audition i did the callback i got the part and and then all of a sudden it was like the producer thinks you sound too much like Sonic, so we can't do that. And I'm like, well, that's what they told me to do, oh you God. know? Yes. So for the listeners, one of the reasons we're talking to Jason here is Jason is very well known in the anime worlds and the, well, the animation worlds yeah. in general. Yeah. Jason played Sonic the Hedgehog in, uh, was it Sonic X? It was Sonic X was the TV show. Was the TV show. He also played Shadow, which is Sonic's evil alter character. Well, he wasn't evil. He was complicated. Well, he was dark. He (laughs) He was was dark. He was dark. (laughs) I also played the crazy Jet the Hawk. Jet the Hawk. Yeah. And then, but he's, you've done so many like anime staples of people's childhood. Oh you've God. been on Yu-Gi-Oh! You've been in Pokemon. Yeah. You've been in, in a thousand video games. Yeah. You've done Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I mean, you've done more, you've done things I can't pronounce because they're in <laughs> Japanese. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane, man. Like there's so many things that I won't even remember that I've done. Yeah. That's a good problem to have. Oh, uh, that's the way I feel. Cause I always, I, you know, I've known since I met you that you did a lot of voice work. I knew that you were Sonic. Yeah. I've like made fun of you for being Sonic for years. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. It took um, me a long time to rebuild my confidence, but, but it was, it was out of pure joy because Sonic <laughs> was my favorite. Oh, I video game that. growing up? Yeah. Oh my god. I played every single Sonic. See, I was a big Mario fan. I had no love for Mario <laughs> at all. Matter of fact, I'd turn on Mario and I would switch it to Duck Hunt. <laughs> and I would I'm like, I'm not playing that. I'm shooting ducks. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, it's so funny because I when I was like six years old for my birthday, I got a Nintendo. Uh-huh. And so it was just Mario all the time. And uh, my sister a couple years later got a Genesis and she played Sonic. So it was like her Sonic to my Mario. Yeah. And she and would like like hold it over my head like that's her And I system. think it's a, a similar age gap between you and me. And I think that's exactly what happened. I remember my parents got me a Nintendo. Yeah. But it was almost even then like kind of passe and kind of going out. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll play this. Oh. But like – my dad bought it used from a friend. Oh, like, God, you know no. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I was. You didn't even get that new box smell? No, no. Oh, and he so just showed important. up with a bunch of games, some of which I weren't allowed to pl- I wasn't allowed to play. Yeah. I think one of them was the Terminator video game. And he uh, wouldn't let me play it because it well, was that, violent. It's but very it was violent. You have to like violent. You have to like shoot your wife in that. I know. And it's, that's it's like, crazy. Oh, but then he got me. Sega Genesis was my new game. Yeah. And I was yeah. in love with Sonic. And like, even back in the day when it was the whole debate of like nintendo versus sega i was a sega kid and i thought nintendo was lame yeah and then sega failed right (laughs) and then nintendo bought sega later and then i mean super nintendo was out at the same time yeah ish and then yeah yeah, sega genesis and super nintendo i'd say both came out around the same time yeah and you kind of had to choose a lot. I think it's like the PlayStation Xbox debate now is you had to choose your like console alliances back then yep (laughs) you'll be like oh have you played this nah man I'm playing Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. What are you playing? And it's so playing? funny because I feel like nobody had both. It was always yeah. you had one or the other. Even my cousin, who I moved out to New York with, yeah. who had everything. Like he always just he had the coolest, newest everything. Yeah. Um, only had the Genesis and Sega. Like I had to bring over my Nintendo if we were going to play Nintendo. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was really like deep tribalism yeah. for little kids, <laughs> where you were like, no, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with you because yeah. that's you're a Nintendo kid. <laughs> <laughs> then the Game Boy came out, Ugh. and then you were like, oh, 
well, maybe I can be a Nintendo kid. But then Game Gear came out, and right. you're back to like, fuck Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. Game <laughs> Gear is way better. But dude, uh, Game Boy had such a long shelf life. I, th- yeah. I want to say they were producing them until like 2007 or something. It was they like, still. You can still buy. I mean, th- there's a whole market for people playing like the original Pokemon games. Oh, and, really? Like, yeah. And just buying Game Boy colors just so they can play them. Yeah. There aren't. <laughs> Game Gear uh, went its way. Did, did it? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But you even mentioning Game Gear, I, I had to um, take a moment to think. Oh, right, I knew what that was. Yeah, I don't know what that is anymore. So now that we've established that you voiced my childhood, so so how did how did it come about being Sonic? You'd been in the city for a yeah. couple of years, I'm assuming. Four, f- three and a half to four years. Yeah. So you'd been point. working, you'd been doing your thing. You've, you'd, it wasn't your first voiceover job because no. you did Mutant Turtles earlier than that. No, no, actually, everything with the exception of one. Sh- two shows uh-huh. uh everything flowed from sonic so okay. once i was booked in sonic that's that's how i met all the directors who did Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon yeah. and turtles and it was crazy because turtles was the first group record i ever did so i got to i was in the booth with three of the uh, actors who were playing the turtles and then uh, sam regal who played donatello was in la yeah so he'd be on the phone patch but it was oh my it was God. like this collaborative group record which is awesome but before and i'll i'll tell get into that in a second but before that i booked a pilot for mt TV called Grim City. I don't think it was ever produced, but I, I recorded the voiceover for it. And it was like the lead. It was like a very futuristic, gothic sort of grim. Grim. Yeah, there you go. And then I happened to book an anime called uh, Gravitation with a guy named Bill Timoney, mm-hmm. who I recorded with him up in Irvington. Had to actually take the train up to the studio called, I think it was called Headline Sound. And we recorded, and I remember Bill saying to me, and Bill was an established actor. He had been a soap opera for many years and very cool guy. And he just said to me one one of our sessions, he's like, you know, they're, they're holding these auditions for Fox's Saturday morning lineup next week. You should get your agent to, to get you in. To be seen. So I went back to my agent. I told him about that. He got me in. I auditioned for something called Shaman King. That was the very first thing I auditioned for at this studio. Didn't get it. They brought me back to audition for Sonic and I auditioned for a bunch of different characters. And they had me audition for the boy in the show, the human boy, Chris, uh-huh. and then Sonic. And then the producer, Michelle, who I still work with to this day, she's like, the voice you did for Chris, do it for Sonic. And so I did. And I just thought, ah, this did not go well. Yeah. So I leave and like a, a week later, I get a call back and I go in and I thought that went even even worse. Yeah. Oh, that's always how it works yeah, with yeah. jobs. So- <laughs> the, the jobs I've booked are the ones that I thought I blew. And the crazy (laughs) thing is, I was actually working, my day job was working, filling in at the agency that I, that was sending me out to like answering phones. Yeah. And I answered the call from four kids when they called to book me as Sonic and I couldn't tell them it was me. So whoever it was, whoever it was called up and she's like, yeah, uh, Jason Griffith came in to audition for Sonic. And I was like, oh, right. And I'm just ready to just get rejection and be like, I can take this. I can take it. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, we'd like to book him on Wednesday. And, you know, every like, you know, all the butterflies came out and the blood rushed to my head. And and my agent was out at the time. He was at a convention or something. And I he called in that day and I'm like, oh, guess what? Uh, I booked Sonic. And he didn't believe me. He's, He's like, like, no, yeah, you did not. And I was like, no, funny. I did. So yeah, but uh, Bill, Bill Timoney, the, the guy who recommended me to go to uh, audition for that. Every time I see him, because we work together a lot still, I uh-huh. thank him for my career. And he actually just played a part in this new De Niro Pacino film where he has to like instigate De Niro in court. Is this The Irishman? Yes, it is. Yeah. And so I, 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 I told, Irish you know. and like gangster movies. Oh, so dude. I'm just like, I know what you're doing. And anyway, so I just, yeah. a big shout out to Bill Timney because he he's a fantastic person and he really, he really started it all for me. There are so many... Things. I think I feel like everyone who finds success in their career can always point back to the person that yeah. started it all. And I, because I feel the same way with Ivan Bart, president of IMG Models, because he just he he almost he pulled me out of nothing. I'd done virtually nothing, and he had called me up. Well, this is. I, to, I was actually talking to Melissa about this yesterday. Did you? Didn't it start with a Target ad? Yeah, I'd done Target e-commerce, and then luckily for me, a lot of people on the internet didn't know the difference between an e-com site and a campaign. So. So it started going out all these stories that I was the first plus size guy on a target campaign. Right. To which I was like, not a target campaign. Oh, wow. Got paid, you know, yeah, a couple yeah. hundred bucks. It was sure. great, but like, yeah. you know, it was just a little thing. And it was just like you modeling some shirts, right? Some like $8 t-shirts. <laughs> it, like, I, like, 
it was the most straightforward thing and it was awesome and it was fun yeah and i remember the first time i even did it i was like oh this isn't gonna work out this was fun i'm glad they had me there's no way they're asking what me was there anything in particular that made you feel that way so i'm a large gentleman all the shirts that showed up i wear a, a 2x or a xlt okay is what are the shirts I normally wear and everything that showed up was medium and I was like oh so I guess I guess we're canceled I guess like I'm gonna go home yeah and the stylist is like nah we gotta shoot this and I was like oh it's it's not gonna look very good and she goes we're gonna figure it out so the stylist and her assistant had to put everything on me I looked like a human sausage just like packed in and these two women the stylist and her assistant are hanging off me like they're climbing a tree just trying to stretch the shirt as far as it goes and then they finally ended up given up on that and it was just cut straight up the back like a hospital gown What? and the sleeves oh were snipped God. and everything was safety pinned together and what was supposed to be like a five hour shoot turned into nine hours real quick oh my god and i yeah i walked away i was like there's no way this is ever <laughs> going to be a career and then they called me back a second time and they're like yeah yeah come back in oh yeah yeah i like made a joke we have the I'm right like, size yeah this we have the right size the funny part is i am um, they still posted all those pictures like Target still. And I noticed in, the, in my couple shot, my, the couple times I shot after them, I started noticing repeats in wardrobe. And I'm like, oh, they're hiding this original shoot. Oh, that's awesome. So so I ended up just finally getting the right size. But yeah. in the meantime, they're still a business. They still got to sell those shirts. Yeah. They still have to put it up. Sure. It is so with fashion and TV and animation, there's still deadlines. It's not stopping. Yeah. If we did a bad job, it's going to get out there yeah. just because we still it's more important to hit the deadline than it is. Uh, uh, yeah. To be soul searchingly proud of what you right. just did. Oh yeah. Not that I wasn't. I was very proud for very no, <laughs> for of course. The record, yeah. But it, but it, it but you there's, know what I mean. There's a little time for perfection. You really yeah. have to. It's like everything that just th- is thrown at the the wall. Whatever sticks. Whatever is, sticks is, released. is, is <laughs> sometimes what you have. But yeah. and that's why. And I think producers know that. And that's one of the reasons it takes them a lot of time to trust you and to even think of booking you because yeah. they're like, all right, even if we end up getting to the point where we are throwing shit at a wall. Mm-hmm. This guy throws pretty decent shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So we'll, we should be able to figure something out from that. The same thing with, you know, with voiceover too. I, I've seen a lot of people not crash and burn, but definitely not deliver. Yeah. Especially in settings where I'm working with other actors. And it's, you know, it, and, it, and you feel for them because the very, I, th- I want to say the very first voiceover I, I, I ever booked yeah. was for this zit cream. And I was so intimidated. And, and I told you earlier, I don't wear headphones. Uh, I try to at least have the headphones three quarters the way off when I'm in the studio. Because yeah. if I listen to my voice, it does something. Like I, I stop projecting the same energy. Gotcha. And actually a casting director gave me that tip once she she had me audition she's like that was great now take off the headphones and i did and I, I booked the job and from then on i was like oh this is how to do it yeah so you know i i was in the booth i had auditioned for the zit cream commercial without headphones and i'm in the booth and i have headphones on now so i'm super self-conscious i can hear myself talking and it's just not what they're looking for it's yeah. not what i did for the audition in fact one of the producers came in and she's like what you did in the audition we need you to do that again yeah whatever you're doing now yeah yeah and it just thing. was I, I remember leaving and like thinking to myself i will never fucking do another voiceover in my life i was so <laughs> upset and it was like the next the next day I went on another audition and booked it. You know, Isn't so it was it like, just, oh, my God. So so to our audience, the object to success is to feel like you're failing at what you're doing the first well, couple times. Absolutely. Like, if you don't, if you haven't failed and feel like you have totally failed, then you're not doing it right. You, you got you have to. And you also have to go through that feeling of failure after you go through that feeling of like utter failure like this is the worst i've ever done uh no one's ever gonna hire me again if that next day you still want to do this job that's one of the reasons you know you have oh yeah the backbone to do it absolutely and you need it i mean it's more than just talent and it's more than just i mean the perseverance is so it's so important because as you know you go in for things and you don't think you hit it and you think like oh, 20 other people did this way better than me, I'm sure. And then you end up getting it. You just, there's no telling. Yeah. You're really the, the deciding factor, whether you step back into the arena or you quit altogether. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I love that you call it an arena because it is what it's like. It's almost like going to battle in yeah. a way. In a way. But then, then once you realize that the people that you supposedly are battling with are actually your friends. Yeah. Or most of them are. Yeah. Dude, I, you know, I, I go on on camera stuff too. 
and last week I had an audition for some soft drink. And we'll call there, it Schmepsy. Well, Schmepsy. <laughs> <laughs> and the script, there were two scripts stapled, and one of them just said, use this on the first page, right? And I was like, does that mean don't look at the second script, which was very long. So I'm like, yeah. do I spend my time looking at both or not? And so the actor that came out before I went in, I was just gonna, I was gonna not ask him this question, but then I was like, why not? Just ask him. And I said, hey, uh, do we just concentrate on this first script or do we do both? And he's like, oh yeah, you do the both. And then he went launched into, here's how they're gonna have you do the first, here's how they're gonna have you do the second. And I was like, here's like, uh, you know, yeah. it's like someone who gets it. Like we're all in this together. No, absolutely. And now when you're doing something like Sonic, because I know you said with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you did it in a group setting. Yeah. Do you? How well do you? You know the other actors when you do an are you going straight to a booth like pretty much by yourself yes 90 percent of the time it's by yourself uh-huh. you if they've recorded the other actor before you they'll usually play that into your line so you can at least respond off of something but there's many times when you're the first person recording or they haven't gotten that other person that you're the you have to set it and if you have a director who's worth anything they're gonna you know give you the right direction so it sounds like you guys are talking to each other yeah i just did another movie um, last month from Russia and that was another group record it was like a week of us all going into the studio four of us at a time all facing each other with microphones like this and then yeah. two people on the other side and you know it, the energy is just different because it's a lot you know when everyone's playing off of each other it's it, things happen spontaneously that don't necessarily happen when you're going line by line yeah. by line absolutely and that, is there a lot of room now when you're doing an animation specifically is the animation done beforehand or are you speaking and then they're animating it to your voice and is it different because you're doing anime so a lot of the times you're doing an already completed thing that was in japanese yes. and now you're doing the english for it both a lot of the stuff that comes over from like pokemon is already it's already animated because it's yeah. from it's coming over from japan um a lot of the stuff i was working on some russian cartoons so all come over you know pre already made the difference is when it's prelay you don't have to worry about syncing to the the lip flap. Yeah. But when it's when it's prelaid, a lot of times it's lip flapped for whatever language they first originally did it in, and you have to match it. So that's the biggest thing, you know. Just and it's it's a skill you learn learn over time, like watching the screen, looking at your script, and making sure like you're hitting all the same rhythms. And yeah. there's a lot the engineer can do as far as like cutting and pasting and moving stuff around. But you know, as far as energy flow, you wanna. I like to watch each line we do uh, first, so I know what happens, where the breaks are, mm-hmm. if they're long pauses and then try to hit that as, as organically as possible so they don't have to engineer it because sometimes that can be like a Frankenstein project yeah. <laughs> but uh, so both I mean the, you know definitely uh, the Russian movie that I just did that should be out sometime next year was all prelay so we got to do whatever we you know whatever rhythm we felt and they'll usually tell you you know are right, you're lagging a little bit just pick it pick it up a little yeah. bit um, but for the most part you have you have leeway to do that you know do what you feel is the best the best read well that's good yeah yeah <laughs> But uh, for like commercial stuff, you know, that's, you know, there's obviously it's not anime, it's not animation, but yeah. you know, there's spots that are like 15 seconds where they have 20 seconds worth of words. And um, I remember I booked this one thing, I forget what it was for, it was like a cosmetic or something, and it had to go like five seconds five seconds to say 10 seconds worth of words. And the engineer who I'd worked with before, he's like, oh, I'm so glad you booked the part because you did this other thing last time that you flew through and I knew you could do it. Like yeah. I knew that you were able to say these words so quickly and and clearly. Yeah. Where a lot of people can't do that just because they haven't they haven't done it. Now, when you're when you have a uh, a voiceover audition, especially for animation, because the only voiceover I've ever done was commercial, which is very different because you're just like exactly you're like you know this week at Toyota Thon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that what it was? Uh, no. It, okay. Uh, <laughs> I meant to say Shmoyota Thon. Uh, <laughs> that's the proper name for them. But do you have a, like a cast of characters? Like, are there voices that you've spent time on that you kind of have? as stock Mm -hmm. or is it something you develop during the audition process definitely both recently for this russian project i did uh, they had a character they needed to voice i had been doing this old man voice for a very long time okay i try to talk like this you know i shit myself again today and uh, (laughs) i need someone to come and clean it up for me and so the director (laughs) knew i had done that voice for him like i left him a voicemail he's like just do your old man do your funny old man and so i did and that's you know that's what they used a lot of times i mean a lot of times there's tweaking where uh, a director will tell you you know bring it down and register that's a big direction or um you know make him a little more cocky all those sort of things that you just tweak it during the audition there's one time audition for this show called one piece the character his name is Usopp 
And he was just like very clown-like, big nose and very like flamboyant in a way. I The week before my friend and I had gone to Astoria Park because I was living there and I'd taken a, he had taken a picture of me sitting on the ground with these like <laughs> yellow tinted sunglasses on <laughs> and my shoulders were all hunched up. And that week before we were make, we made a name for this guy. We called him Eddie the Troll who lived under uh, Hell's Gate Bridge. <laughs> okay. And I started talking like this. This is his voice. And there was a bag in front of me in the picture and I said, I've got a bag. <laughs> so the next week I go in for this audition and I didn't plan it. I didn't plan to do this, but I saw the character. Like a lot of times they don't release the sides to you beforehand. You go yeah. half hour beforehand, you read them over and you just do them. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't really have another idea. So I'm like, I'll just do Eddie the Troll for this, this character, right? And I booked the part. So yeah. it's, you know, it's so much of like, fe- like feeling it out. Yeah. But like w- with... I want to ask this about modeling because I've never I've never really gotten the totally. grip on it. Uh-huh. Do you when you go in? I mean, you can't be self conscious in front of the camera. You no, absolutely not. It'll because it'll, it'll read. Oh yeah, it's the same as acting. It'll read. And I think one of the only reasons I picked up on modeling is because I was an actor and had to learn how to get comfortable in front of the camera that so, way. So are you? Um, I don't want to say playing a part, but are you like all right? But this is confident, Zach, or this is you know trustworthy, Zach, and this is you know. The short answer is yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I approached modeling as an actor because it was what I knew how to do. Right. I had never modeled before, so I approached it as if I was playing these parts. And even still, before I shoot, I like to talk to the art director beforehand and then go, just ask him, like, what are you going for? What what kind of a brand is this? Mm-hmm. What are you looking to portray? So to me, modeling has been like acting kind of with all the layers stripped off. Mm. It was kind of like when you're preparing a character and you want to have an idea and a, a personality identity for this character on a basic emotional level. Yeah. It's kind of like I do that part of the preparation yeah. and then stop. Wow. <laughs> like like I don't go on so much to work on backstory and man. and But I do, but I work on mannerisms. I work on things. Sure. I, I, I want to know. I'll, I'll be very different for a big and tall catalog that's very blue collar, that's very working man, that's very all-American than I will be for a more like street style high fashion European company all right you know I've worked for both and I have to exude something different for the people because it's I think the difference between modeling and acting is when I'm modeling I'm not a character I am that brand Mm -hmm. my job my the character I'm playing is the brand that I'm working for right so it's fun and I think when I had more fun with modeling is when I realized how closely related it was to acting yeah and it really as an actor got me inspired and got me to the point where I enjoyed it because of the first couple shoots you're very self-conscious and you're like this is weird I don't know (laughs) People are looking at me. But then when you approach it as an actor, yeah. you're like, no, this is a part I'm playing. Yeah. This is this is the role today. I am Target. I am yes. King Size. I am Levi's. I am this. I'm whatever they want yeah. to be seen. Do you ever research other things they, they advertise to yes. get that feeling? No, 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 no absolutely. Yeah. I'll always look back at their old campaigns, at their old shoots, kind of get an idea what they're looking for. With me, a lot of the time, I'm the first big and tall guy they've worked with. Right. So what I try to do is I try to as closely resemble the their past campaigns and everything as I can. Right. But there's lots of stuff I can't do because I'm, I just, yes, it looked great when Six Pack Johnny did it. <laughs> I but, love his work. Uh, he's he's the best. But he's um, seven pack Johnny now. Just I know, so you know. Okay. I know. He's he's got to get uniform again. Do, do they ever have you do shirtless stuff? Uh, yes. There's actually an upcoming thing where you will see me shirtless. Oh, great! Fairly mail me the soon. proofs. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, so that was a big thing. I had an, an an exclusive deal to do my first shirtless photo shoot. Awesome. Which is horrifying <laughs> to me. Uh, oh, so it hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't. Oh. Oh, I mean, I did it. No, I already. I, oh, it's yeah. it's shot. It's yeah. there. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I. I'm just waiting for it to yeah. come out. But yeah. at the same time, it's like it, it, that's going to be a, a, a journey for me personally, being the kid that wore the T-shirt in his the pool his entire life. To right. Now oh, me like, too. Yeah. See, I wasn't as lucky as you. Uh, I, I was a little fat kid. I like to say fat nerd kid with a face full of zits uh, growing <laughs> up. That was the exact same thing. And I didn't get to become a model. So. <laughs> no, no. You got to become a superhero <laughs> instead. Superhero. Multiple superheroes. Times, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog, Tony Stark, other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've you've had your way around we'll just leave it at i've had my way he's had his ways <laughs> uh, 
so after Sonic was going on, and then it started leading to other opportunities like yeah. Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. And well, because everything record well, most of the things recorded all in one studio at Four Kids, which is now Konami. Yeah. I think I want to say they had like seven shows running at one at one point, and you know, a director would you'd either audition or a director would hear what you'd done and said, oh, you know, bring you on. I think the first time I worked on Pokemon, um, they wanted me to play this uh, surfer character named Brawly. Yeah. He was like, hey, you know, he's a real, real tubular kind of guy. And, and I remember thinking, and I even said to the director, yeah, why don't you bring in um, the guy that was playing Michelangelo? Because he does that. And he's like, well, no, we want you to do it. You know, so like I didn't re- I didn't realize at the time. <laughs> You're accidentally selling other people Dude, for I your do it, role. I do it all the time and it's not by accident. There's so many times that I'll recommend someone. There was uh, another audition for, um, oh, what was it? another big franchise cartoon thing and they wanted me to audition for like the deep deep voiced guy and like casting reached yeah. out to me specifically to ask me if i would do this and i said sure but i said there's a guy you need to meet because he will kill it like this is yeah. his job you know but i i believe in doing that because you know people have done it for me and yeah a lot of times there's just someone that's better for the job and maybe deserves it better yeah uh, more more so i guess that that sort of happened with this other show I'm working on where I had to replace someone who wasn't able to make the time commitment. And yeah. as the show goes on, uh, you know, Melissa and I are, are planning our move to the West Coast. Yeah. Um, I had to give up the job. But uh, when I heard that it was going to potentially go back to the person who had it, it had been taken from, quote unquote, yeah. it was such a great source of, you know, relief for me because I thought, yeah. you know, this is that was supposed to happen. He was supposed to get his job back. You know, I was just a placeholder. I think it's interesting because I I feel like voice acting and modeling are similar in the ways that once you prove yourself and you are chosen to be part of this, uh, I think that's what people do. The community that does these types of work is so much smaller than you would ever think. And it's so almost incestuous of the same thing. I know all of the same model. I work with all of the same people. Same. Yeah. All of the time. And I know it exactly. It's the same in voice acting. I mean, you, See, it's so so funny. you only have to look at, honestly, at your IMDb to go like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they use the same people yeah. for everything because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just it's a rotation of a bunch of you doing very the same rarely shows. do I. And I've been doing a lot of like ADR stuff where we loop additional voices or, um, you know, background voices for film and TV on a yeah. lot of TV and film. Um, even even in those groups, I see the same people constantly. And but it surprises me for you to say that about a print or for yeah. for modeling because I would have figured that was such a uh, you a think it is gigantic pool. And now that I know who these people are, now that they are my coworkers and my peers, I walk into department stores like Macy's or Target or Kohl's or whatnot, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, there's Marquita, there's Precious, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, Candace, yeah. there's I do the same thing with voiceovers. Oh, there's Chris, I'm like, <laughs> there's I'm like I was like I know everyone in this i will periodically text like my friend jamie i'm like dude jamie was that you on blah 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 blah? and he'll most of the time say (laughs) yeah yeah how'd you know like i know your voice i did the same thing to my buddy chris and i was just like hey man i saw you have a ralph Lauren ad up in in macon georgia at the belks and then he like (laughs) wrote back and he was just like oh i gotta talk to my agent i'm pretty sure they didn't pay usage for that that's great yeah i just got you a couple extra bucks absolutely that's great that is so funny (laughs) i did one one print ad in my entire life Uh except for a theater that i worked for when i was you know 16 i did a a kmart ad route 66 or something and it was me sitting on a cooler full of popcorn and oh and it was just i i i I just felt like so awkward because i was i don't know what to do i just want to smile you know and it was that's not what they were going for no it's it's i think now you would be able to do it way better well maybe you know who knows i want to start like a modeling coaching thing because there's a lot of people that i think could do it and honestly you uh, you can't tell on a podcast but jason's an exceptionally handsome man oh well and (laughs) And if you check out the movie three bound you can catch him as the lead matt have you seen any of the three bound i've seen just the trailer stuff have you seen any of your stuff no, I got to I've see only... a couple clips, and dude, you are fucking hilarious. Like Thank you. It, it Thank you just, so much. Well, for the viewing, for the listening audience, uh, Zach plays a part in the a very par- funny part, and most of your lines were improv. Uh, I think the entirety. Yeah. Of well, yeah, okay. So there, you had like like three words here, three words there, and it turned into yeah. this glorious <laughs> improv where. I remember I was, I mean, I lost my shit several times. Yeah. Walter, another actor who's very serious, and it's really Walter hard. Walter was so it's hard really to break. It's really hard to break Walter. And he, every single time, dude, it was like, 
Like that's such a, it's such a unique gift that, um, I, I really wish I had, and sometimes I fancy I do, but like, the the only reason I have I can do that honestly is because I'm working with people like you. Um, one of the things that so. no, it's I, entirely I true. It, it's one of the things about the film Jason and I worked on, Three Bound. We were both part of the creative process from the very beginning, yeah. so we got to know these characters so well and know our interactions with each other to the point where on like version s- seventeen thousand <laughs> right. of the script, we got to our scenes and then it said my character is like hey guys how you doing and then parentheses zach improv yes. <laughs> and then just me saying shit yeah, yeah. to jason and walt and then they had a set response to yeah, whatever right, i yeah. said so sometimes that, that would, they'd be like yeah it's going pretty well so i'd just be like hey guys how's the uh the chicken farming bubble blowing operation going or something <laughs> ridiculous and they'd be like yeah it's going pretty good no Dude, matter what yeah but that's, I mean, that that's really what brings those performances to life. Like my friend Bill Timoney, yeah. uh, when he did the, his uh, thing on The Irishman, is it was all improv. Martin Scorsese said, you know, uh, this is what I want you to do, and awesome. go in and do it, and he did, and it got such... In fact, the woman who cut my hair yesterday was also department head on, on that film, Cutting Hair. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned him, and she's like... Oh my God, I loved him. He would, he was take after take. He was so consistently great that yeah. even like, like De Niro at one point, like gave a look after the cameras cut, like this guy, yeah. this fucking guy. Oh, that's a good look to get. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, that's, I mean, I, and I think that's such a big thing with performing, even when things are scripted is to make them seem like they're not, you know, yeah. to, to make them seem like they're just coming out of your mouth. Especially I, I know with me, I've gotten scripts where I'm like, there's absolutely no way I can make this sound natural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People mm-hmm. don't talk this way. Yeah. And I'm assuming with animation, especially Japanese animation, you must get some stuff where you're just like, how is this person going to say this mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. another person? Is there anything ever, uh, speaking of which, is there anything ever like lost in translation? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where you're just like. Oh, man, there's been a lot of rewrites, a yeah. lot of like, wait, uh, is that a direct translation from <laughs> Russian? Because that makes absolutely zero sense. So there's a lot of rewriting on the fly. For different things not not as much it's usually the ideas there and you just have to clean up the wording yeah because the way it's translated sometimes it could just be clunky yeah that's good have you ever so i was an anime i was an amateur anime mm-hmm. lover when i was young so i only watched like a couple things is there any chance you ever worked on dragon ball z no but my uh, one of my friends is sean schimmel who plays yes. goku yeah yeah oh um, that yeah. is like I think I think Dragon Ball Z is like the gateway drug to anime. Is that right? For so many people, dude, I've never seen an episode. How? I just, I just haven't. I haven't. Uh, I just I recently just you started can watch somebody television. prepare for a single attack in a battle scene for like seven episodes, oh and he's just sitting there, yeah. like charging it. it. It's so well, yeah, beautifully dramatic and kind of like. It, it's I love it. You know, someone was mentioning Naruto, or is it Naruto? Yeah, I know. Oh. I was never really into Naruto, but that's yeah, another yeah. one that has like a huge following. And I know Sonic had a giant following. I know it's insane. And so I know if you do a little um, googling, you'll find a whole bunch of stalkers, fan videos, and fan pages for Jason. <laughs> Just ask me. <laughs> Just ask him. What What is one of the weirdest interactions you've ever had with a fan? Oh well, I mean that wasn't me. It was you. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I used no, to. You know, everything is really positive these days. Yeah. Um, when I first started, there was a lot of animosity toward me because I had replaced, or I don't like to say I replaced, but I started working after another gentleman named Ryan Drummond who had uh, been doing the voice uh-huh. uh, had stopped. And there was a was lot of- for- Sonic X or was this for, for Sonic X because uh, it was I mean the video games and Sonic X all sort sort of happened at the same time yeah so the the series started and then like I'm gonna say like two months later we started on the, uh, Shadow of the Hedgehog which yeah, was yeah. the first first game and dude oh, the script was like this it was like a foot thick like Jeez. there was just so much dialogue because I couldn't so many imagine different... how much goes into a video game so in the beginning I used to get emails like you know you should be raped in hell Jesus like I wouldn't even know how they would find me but there would be like just really just because you're not the hedgehog voice they like yeah because I wasn't who they were used to yeah um and I never you know, I never like responded in a negative way. I sort of just let all that go, and because I, I chalked it up to, yeah, I was upset too when Raphael's voice was different in Turtles in 1989 than it was yeah. in 1988. But I wouldn't have gone that far. However, uh, I want to say a hundred percent of 
anything that anyone who has ever uh, contacted me on Facebook. It's all positive. And That's good. To the extent too, where they're like, you should be Sonic again. And it shouldn't be this other guy and he's fine. And you know, and listen, the way I look at it is it afforded me a great opportunity for an amazing career. And it was just time for someone else to do it. And yeah. you know, I don't, you know, I, I can understand where people want to hear a certain voice or they want a certain this or that. But for me, I'm I'm just glad someone someone has the job. You yeah. Know? You're such a sweet and genuine person. Well, that's I mean, like, it's I either that it. or being jaded and bitter. And I've been that, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know the difference. And it's just it sucks when you are feeling like the world is against you and, and you'll you know, you should have this job. And why would they replace me on this? And just all this stuff that doesn't serve you whatsoever. And yeah. even though you feel justified in the beginning and it's great to rant to someone and have them agree with you, like at the end of the day, you just got to go out and get the next job, you know, because there's yeah. enough work. My mantra for many years has been there's enough work for everybody, including me. And that's always what's happened. I've always had a job. I've always been able to pay the bills. Yeah. And I've always been able to do something that I love after when, once I started in, in this business, you know. And, you know, I never had to work a shit job. I mean, I worked at a pizzeria. I worked at Barnes & Noble. I worked at a, an agency. But all those jobs, even, you know, they, they were I remember when you and I first started hanging out, even when we were um, working on Three Bound and filming, I used to complain about, like, my bartending job Did all you? the time. Oh, yeah. And I remember, because like, I'll, I'll always remember the first time you told me, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm real lucky. I don't have to do that. And I was so not, I mean, we were good friends, but there was, like, this little part about me. I'm just like, God, I can't imagine what my career would be like well, if dude, I was yeah. able to just do it. And then I, luck, it happened to me. I got lucky enough where I didn't have to bartend anymore. I didn't yeah. have to work at restaurants. Yeah. I didn't have to do this. And it is such a transformative experience. Yeah. It's all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but my work became so much better without that, just because I could focus on it, just because mm -hmm. I could do it. It's just yeah. what I did. Yes. I didn't have to worry. About, I didn't have to turn down auditions or anything because I had a shift that I couldn't get yeah. covered or yeah. something. But I know I feel like it's something, you know, that as actors, we have to go through the lean times because I know we were you saying do. before there's yeah. we're, we're lucky enough where you and I will work for a good amount of time. And then all of a sudden there's like eight weeks of nada. Nothing. And nothing. you're just like. Oh. Or six months, you know, where it's it, it really feels like, oh, I should probably stop believing in myself now and everything I've ever wanted. Maybe I was wrong. Ugh. Like those thoughts are not only natural, but they're necessary. I yeah. really feel like you need to. I'm going to give you an example. I live in this house right now. Yes. Nice house. Nice neighborhood yard. For 13 years, I lived in Times Square on 48th. Uh, 43rd and 8th mm -hmm. in a, a housing project which was for actors and the formerly homeless it is the first time I ever got punched in the face was in my hallway first time um, huh? yeah um, <laughs> uh, there was a double uh, there was a murder suicide in the Jeez. lobby the month before I moved out oh my. I think you I know, remember that actually it was insane man yeah constant sirens I mean it was like I lived on the 14th floor and it was it seemed sometimes like a, a, an ambulance was parked right under my window finally you'd hear it move out into this into the distance and then it was like it circled the block and came right back oh my like God. for 13 years yeah. okay i live in this wonderful house right now yeah where it's quiet i can go into the city and work when i need to and i come back but i would not have appreciated it as much as i do now if i hadn't gone through that shit for 13 years yeah and been you know like oh there's another roach because my neighbor down the hall has a uh, you know fucking a drawer full of roaches uh, you know just like collects them yeah i actually had my my neighbor was once said uh, hey can you get me a um, pair of pants from a drawer and i did and i opened <laughs> the drawer and it was like just roaches were like scatter oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so i think the same thing about working if you don't go through those times of what am i doing who am i what is gonna happen yeah i, I just feel like it it fuels the creativity later on when you realize how lucky you are and there's yeah. that word again but is it fortunate fortunate i think that's a better word than luck yeah. but it is it's it, it feels like it's just luck but as we said earlier like if you're not going through these lean times if you're not putting in the work luck has nothing to do with no it. yeah you just don't realize when you get to kind of cash in those chips right of all yes. the work you've put in because it. you know the secret is even through all this doubt and all the self-deprecating bullshit that you go through there's still a little part of you that doesn't give up that says yeah. you know what tomorrow it might be better or you know what i can i can see myself there i can feel it 
I one of my first jobs working in New York was um, on all these sitcoms. So I yeah. worked on like Kelly Ripa's sitcom, Whoopi Goldberg's sitcom, Gabriel Byrne's sitcom, Jim Gaffigan's sitcom, Parker Posey's sitcom, and I would work in the audience. So basically, yeah. my job was to hand out pizza and then bring the audience to the shitter. <laughs> that's, that's how I describe it. That's exactly what it was. And it was just three feet this way it was all of my dreams and yeah. everything I ever wanted. And I said, what is the divide? Why am I here and not there? Because it felt so close. It felt like all I had to do was just walk onto this set and start acting. And that, w- yeah. that would be it, you know? And so that really drove me for the first few few years I lived here because I, rem- I just remember thinking, it's that close. It's that close. It's yeah. that close, you know? That's amazing. You just led into the final question that I always ask everybody. Great. One of the things I love about this show that we're doing is that my goal with it is to talk to people that I personally feel are changing the world for the better and have achieved their dreams or continuing to achieve their dreams despite whatever roadblocks kind of come into it. Can you give one final word of advice to anyone who feels that what they want to achieve is impossible, whether it's based on race or gender or sexuality or socioeconomic status mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that people feel like is holding them back as someone who, as we said, has been fortunate to mm-hmm. be able to pursue their dreams mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. What advice do you have for people who feel like it's just not going to happen for them? My, The very first thing I would say is that know that that feeling is completely natural I've had it. You know, I didn't grow up in a performing family. All my family members worked in a factory. Whenever I would bring up my ambitions, it was like, well, that's a nice dream, but what are you really going to do? It felt impossible because everyone around me hadn't gone through the steps of pursuing their dreams. So they felt, and to them, that was the reality. So of course it must be everyone's reality. However, I knew deep down inside how it made me feel to imagine myself on a set or imagine myself in a studio or imagine myself working with people doing this amazingly fun and incredible job that I was happy to go to every day. I knew how it made me feel and I didn't want to give up that feeling. Even though there's all this like adversity coming at me saying that's not real and you're not going to do that and you know kind of putting you in your place and putting you down and so I would keep coming back to that and because of that I feel like the universe conspires to do what however whatever signal you're putting out the universe is going to bring back to you it's like a it's like a tuning fork or frequency or an antenna so if you keep putting out this is impossible this is impossible it's going to be Mm -hmm. but if you know there's that feeling of this is impossible but there's still that even greater feeling that makes you feel good about the thing you want to do if as long as you keep that little candle lit you're going to get little just a little bit more and a little bit more and you're going to meet one person who's going to introduce you to this person who's going to introduce you to that person that's you know i would say don't believe anything but what you believe and if you can convince yourself that you're not good enough, you can convince yourself you'll never work, and that's what will happen. Mm-hmm. But the opposite is true. And I always keep in mind two things. Number one, it is such an unexplained phenomenon that we are even here as conscious beings talking to each other mm-hmm. that came from nothing. So is really is me being on television or on a cartoon is that really such a big stretch when i think of existence popping out of nothing yeah and the other thing is that we're only here for a limited amount of time and things can get really bad and we're all going to go through some sort of tragedy at one point so why don't we spend the time that we're here making the impossible possible because that's our job it's really to we didn't just come here to be comfortable eat food and fucking die we came here to expand and expand and expand and whatever that is for you whatever that is that you want so bad just know that that's why you're here and every roadblock in the way is just a hurdle that makes you stronger that's wonderful Jason, thank you so much. I am going to ask to do one thing yeah, because I feel like my listeners will be upset. I wanted to think of something for you to to read or say as Sonic the <laughs> okay, Hedgehog. Great. Just because I know you, I think it's funny. Dylan Thomas is my favorite poet, and wow. I think it would be fantastic yeah. to hear my favorite poem read in the voice of Sonic Whoa. the Hedgehog. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be great. I know. I'm going to start it off with, Kids, do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end know dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Oh, that just made 
all the childhood <laughs> tingles happen. Now I'm going to do every all 700 characters. Doing Perfect. <laughs> do not go gentle into that good night. <laughs> <laughs> do not go gentle into that good night. Do not go gentle into that good night. <laughs> That's beautiful. Jason, thank you so much. I'm going to miss you, Zach. you and Missy and Austin so much when you move to the oh, West we'll be Coast. Back. Luckily, I also go to the West Coast, so I can't wait to see you there and to see what the next chapter in the Jason Griffith story has to hold. I can't wait to see what the next Zach Michael uh, chapter is, That's too. That's not how you say my name, buddy. <laughs> oh, my God. No, wait, it's, it's Miko, isn't oh, it? Oh, my God. I always thought that was the incorrect way. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'll see myself out. <laughs> We've been friends for like seven years. Oh, that's beautiful. And but I only read your name, so in my mind, I was here. It's the, that's it's that's. Ah, oh, I'm so sorry. You can erase everything. Nope, that's keeping it in. All right, I love you, buddy. <laughs> love so you too, much. man. Thank, Thank you, you so yeah. much. I have legit been friends with this guy for so long and had no idea he didn't know how to say my last name. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I do. Thank you for indulging me in the cartoon voices at the end, but I had a nostalgic itch that I needed to scratch. We are going to start having a weekly social media interaction show where for a half hour all I do is answer questions you guys have sent me about the industry, about life, about me personally. It's like an Ask Me Anything, but I don't know if Reddit has that copyrighted. I don't think they can copyright it, but I won't call it an Ask Me Anything. We'll come up with a really cool word for it later. But you can, in fact, ask me anything you like. So please send in submissions for questions, uh, whether it be about one of these episodes, whether it be about me, whether it be about fashion, whether it be about arts, whether it be about the world, whether it be about politics, no matter what you want to say, please send me your questions via Instagram at Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O, or via Twitter at Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O. Again, please rate and subscribe, five stars. It really helps us out. It really helps us keep building great content for you guys and keeping you guys entertained. Also, I'd love to read your reviews. I'd love to see what you guys think of this show. Until next time, keep your chin up. Remember to be your authentic self. Don't take no for an answer. I'm your host, Zach Miko. Go out into the world and do big things. (laughs) 